Uh, before we look into uh, the passage for today, um, just a, a little bit on, uh, on Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is um, the Jewish celebration of the first fruits, the first harvest of, of the year. Outside of our house here in Huron, we have a, a little, um, I guess it would be an alfalfa field, and we're, it's, it's about yay tall, and I'm waiting for the tractor to come by and uh, cut that up, and as the first harvest, there's going to be more harvests of that, but we're waiting for him to come by and do the first harvest. And so Pentecost uh, means 50, and this is, Pentecost was 50 days after um, Passover. So they celebrated Passover, and we know as followers of Jesus that it was then that Jesus uh, died on the cross. It was then that Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, after he rose from the dead, he met with his disciples, and he said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon you. And so they stayed. And they continued to meet with one another. And they were praying. In fact, the scriptures tell us that as they were praying one day, the room was filled with this mighty wind. And flames like fire came and rested upon them. So that it was visible to all in the room that something unique was happening. And then they got to speak in the languages that they didn't know. And they spoke to other people so they heard the gospel. They heard the truth. There's probably nothing, one of the things that is most close to us as, as individuals is our own language. We call that our, our heart language. That's where we uh, understand the best. And uh, they could have spoken in Aramaic, in Hebrew, and a lot of people who were there would know that language, but it was not their heart language. It didn't speak into their spirit. And so God did a mighty thing by the Holy Spirit to allow people to speak into the heart languages of people. And what happened 2,000 or more years ago, um, we pray here for a regular basis that the Holy Spirit will continue to fill us and continue to give us the ability to speak to the hearts of people. Maybe not in their language, uh, but to their hearts. And the Holy Spirit does that kind of work. He speaks to the hearts of people. But it bears upon us the great responsibility to, uh, to go out and to speak. Uh, five years ago, Lynn and I celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary by going to Scotland. And after we spent some time in Scotland, we went down to London to visit some friends. And we went to, um, to the... Uh, Eventide service at um, Westminster Abbey. I was going to get one of those places right. But we went into the Eventide service, great service of music, uh, very uh, high church. I just uh, enjoyed it immensely. But it was on Pentecost Sunday that we went. Um, and the pastor... Um, preached about Pentecost and the importance for the church to go out and to live uh, the gospel message. And um, he entreated us at the end of the service, out of, after all the singing and the, uh, the, the service, to go out together. We marched out those doors uh, together with the specific task 
of bringing the gospel to the world. Um, it was a very powerful moment. And the encouragement for us today, whether we're in the sanctuary or whether we're watching online, uh, is to know that we always go out. It's much like the candle that was brought today, that we shine our lights, not just in this room, but out there where people can see us. That's where God has sent us out. He told the disciples to go and make disciples, to go. Um, so anyway, a little history of Pentecost that brings us today and... Um, I don't know about you, but I think a mighty wind and flames of fire would be a good thing. Um, would scare the living daylights out of me if it happened right now, but um, I would welcome it um, wholeheartedly. Let's pray for a second, and then we're going to take a look at some stuff in God's Word. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us um, alone and by ourselves to figure this all out. But you have sent the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, you have come as God to dwell in us, to light our lights, to give us the ability to speak to the hearts of people. Help us, help us to do that. Help us to surrender to you, to not grieve you, but to obey promptly, and always speak the gospel that Jesus, the Son of God, left heaven for us and died in our place, taking upon him the, the wrath that was meant for us. By his death, we can be saved and redeemed and reconciled. And by his life, we are given a hope now and in the future for a life with God. Now, Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts today to the word of God that we would be transformed by it. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Uh, I've done this uh, a few times in my ministry, and that is to um, go out into the parking lot of the church as people are coming and kind of just greet them as they... Uh, as they leave their cars and as they enter into the church and kind of do, you know, that pastoral thing of greeting people. And uh, it's happened three or four times that I have seen a car come into the parking lot and park where I could see what was going on. And it was evident to me that when the dad was doing this to the back seat, it wasn't chasing a fly or a mosquito around, but it was getting ready to bop Billy for some reason. Or I've seen mom and dad, mom turn around and wave that finger of accusation at little Susie sitting in the back seat. And maybe you've done that. You've rushed out of the house on a Sunday morning. You've tried to squeeze all the kids into the car and be tying the shoes at the last minute. And um, things are not holy in that car. And you drive into the parking lot and things are still not holy in that car. But you open the doors and you get out and you let the kids out and as soon as you hit the parking lot and turn toward the front door, there are these 
smiles of righteousness upon your face. And you meet the pastor at the door and shake hands and greet and give a blessing. And this pastor knows that um, some of you need to get something right before you come in. But everybody looks good and holy and... Hmm. Most of you are looking pretty good. No, we, we all struggle with that. I had the blessed opportunity to sit in uh, the class that Linda has been overseeing for a couple months, and we talked about worship together. And um, we talked about how difficult sometimes it is to come to worship because we bring so much stuff. Some of us come ready. Some of us come that we want to cry out. Some of us come broken. Some of us come because mom and dad threw us in the back of the car. We come with lots of reasons. But as we look into God's word, I just want to remind myself and to remind you here and those online that God is with you by his spirit. Important for us to listen to that spirit and, re and respond. So we've been, we've been talking about worship, the jewel called worship, and we've looked at a couple of aspects of worship the last few weeks, and today I want to uh, look at something as I call getting right. We're going to do that by uh, looking in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your scriptures, I encourage you to find that, Matthew chapter 5. Um, in this section, in this larger section, we know is the Sermon on the Mount, preached about that, I don't know, a year or so ago. Um, and in this smaller section, Jesus is dealing with the whole issue of anger. And he says that, you know, we know we're not supposed to murder, but to speak harshly is, is just as bad. He talks about going and... Uh, meeting against your accuser, and dealing with things before you get to court. And in the center of this uh, section that he is speaking about the issue of, of anger, he speaks about the issue of worship. And he says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar... And then remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Anger is, a, is an insidious thing. We don't often know that it's there. But I would go to say, say in my own self, I have been angry at times. I don't think I've ever hated anyone, but I have been angry. 
And I know this about anger, that anger is a cancer to the soul. If I leave it untouched, it will, it will eat me away. Anger can come from our fear. We, we strike off because we're afraid of something and we let it stem in us. Anger can come up in us because um, someone is not holding to a certain standard, often a standard that we cannot hold to ourselves. We place it upon others. Anger, um, anger can be also uh, an indication of pride. That pride that includes uh, humility. Sense it says, look at me, I'm I'm feeling this way, being humble. I'm trying to be humble. It can come, that pride can come because of a sense of unfairness that has hit Randall. And I can I can see myself as uh, more spiritual. And when I'm quiet with Jesus um, and the Holy Spirit is allowed to speak or if I'm allowed to open my ears, um, I see this, this pride just welling up in me. I think, I think pride... Um, probably is the original sin... It was Satan who said, I deserve what you have, Yahweh. I am that good. It's only right for me to raise myself up to, to your level. And of course, we know that God didn't, he dealt with that. And yet when Satan came down and tempted Adam and Eve, it was about pride. He said, surely God wants you to be like him. To which Eve, Eve and then Adam said, yeah, that's, that's true. They bore it out to be true by disobeying God in the one thing, just one thing God gave them to, to not do. Just one. And they couldn't get that right. What Jesus deals with in this passage is how broken relationships with people, with one another, especially in the body of Christ, can hinder our worship. Because it is a soul issue. And if my soul is all a jumble, 
It's difficult for me to worship. The fact that Jesus puts these words smack dab in this section of anger shows us the immediacy of what Jesus wants us to take care of. Because Jesus says it's, it's not about you and the other person. It's about you and me. Remember we studied in 1 John in the fourth chapter, toward the end of that chapter, uh, John writes, he says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you make God to be a liar. Because you can't... Uh, Love God while you're hating your brother because Jesus told the disciples that this will be your, the mark of me in you is that you will love one another. And then the world will know about me. The, the love we have for each other, the importance of these right relationships are important to our worship, whether that worship is in our individual times in our closets, whether that worship here is as those gathered. It's interesting for me to, uh, for us to note here that Jesus says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that a brother or a sister has something against you, leave your gift. It's that memory that the Holy Spirit brings to you. It's, it's, it's not that you are angry at the other person, that you are hateful of the other person, or the other person has bothered you. It's that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind the way that maybe you hurt another person. Jesus says it's of vital importance for those relationships to be restored. Because as you, as you do your part, as you respond as Jesus would respond, it opens our hearts up for God to do what he would like to do in me, in you. Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus says, um, whenever you stand praying in, in the context of worship, and you remember that for the Hebrews, a lot of that service was done praying, standing. He said, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses, your sins. As you're praying, as you're worshiping here, even if you can't go to the person, you forgive. You confess before God your own sin and we are to forgive as Jesus forgave us. Now, here's a caveat. At the point, get this, at the point 
that there is a sin in your life that Jesus has not forgiven you of, you don't have to forgive that person if they've done the same thing. Is there something in your life that Jesus does not have the right, the power, the ability, the effectiveness to forgive? Is there a sin that Jesus did not forgive on the cross? Therefore, my sisters and brothers, there is nothing that you cannot forgive and should not forgive. Now, let me make it very clear. Forgiveness does not mean that what the other person did was not wrong. Forgiveness is saying how you will deal with the wrongness. Will you hold it and let it eat you up from the inside out? Or will you do what Jesus did on the cross and say, I forgive. Not in my power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience, even if it's not an act of emotion. We are called to forgive. Not about you, but there are many times that I have have to forgive the same person for the same act over and over again. Because it'll come back up. And I have to remember, and I think the Holy Spirit reminds us, I remember the time that I have forgiven that. And therefore, I stand on that forgiveness. May not always be able to rectify it with the person. They not be willing. They may be dead. They may be in another country. They may be someone that you have no contact with, but you still have, I still have the ability to forgive. And that's what we're called to. And if we don't, it hinders our worship. So, how do we move on? What are the steps that we can take so that we can come uh, as broken believers before a holy God to get his healing and not hinder the process? First of all, you need to search your heart. Remember the psalmist, Psalm, um, Psalm 139 He says, um, search me, Lord. Search me. Search my heart. See if there is a hurtful way in me. Lead me in the path of your righteousness. So it starts out on a daily basis. I mean, I have to wake up every morning and I should pray this prayer. Lord, search my heart. Show me what needs to be worked on. And 
then help me work on it. So search, ask God to search your heart and then be ready to hear, <laughs> there's the other one, hear what, it sa- what he says, right? The second thing you need to do is you need to surrender your will to the will of the Spirit. The thing that is breaking the relationship may not be your fault. And sometimes our pride in our will says, it's not my fault, it's the responsibility of that other person to come to me. And I will see then if I will forgive them or not. So I need to, Randall needs to surrender my will. I said, God, this is incredibly difficult for me, but give me the power, give me the willingness, give me the humility, give me the words to work through this. You surrender your heart to the work of the Spirit. And lastly, after God has searched you and shown you, and after you have surrendered your will, um, seek that that reconciliation to the point that you can. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about reconciliation and he says, we have been reconciled through the person of Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled with the Father. Therefore, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that needs to start in my receiving of God's reconciliation in Christ. It needs to start there. It needs to be part of my life as I work within the body of Christ, the family of God. It needs to be part of my life as I go out into the world Um, when I was at Biola University, one of the things that we had to do was to go to the inner city of, of Los Angeles or to Sunset Boulevard, and we had to stand on the street corner and proclaim the gospel. That's the, one of the worst things I was ever asked to do in my life. And I... Partly because I had heard, and maybe you have heard, other street preachers. And the message of damnation. Definitely not the message of reconciliation. We're not called to give the message of damnation. We are called to give the message of reconciliation. Jesus has reconciled us to God. You can therefore be reconciled. That's the message, to tell people about Jesus, about his death, about his resurrection, about his love and his forgiveness. That is the focus of our lives. How can I speak the message of reconciliation to the people with whom I come in contact with? So search our hearts. I guess I could say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. 
Holy Spirit, empower me to surrender. And Holy Spirit, send me out for the ministry of reconciliation. And as we do those things, we can bring our gift to the altar. Broken people, messed up people, messy people, people who need God today as much as they did yesterday. God welcomes you to worship, to the, but to the point that you can. Be reconciled unto God. And be reconciled unto people. today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Hero. Have a blessed day.